Uh, it's been a learning time, uh, time to just do a little exploring and thinking about people that we often just skip over. Does anybody know who Uzzah was in the Bible? Uzzah. Perez Uzzah. Okay, we have a couple of those. And uh, how many people know who Zerubbabel was? Not to be mixed, mixed up with Zerubbabel, uh, who we talked about was Gideon this morning. Zerubbabel, how many know who Zerubbabel is? He's a little better known, but I don't think we have any more people that are raising their hands. And uh, if you don't know who either of these people are, we hope you'll get acquainted with them before the end of the evening. And uh, let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6, and we're going to meet Uzzah. His name means strength. And uh, that is quite a contrast. Um, actually, his strength was no help to him because he did something very, very wrong trying to do something very, very right. That is the lesson of Uzzah. Let's look at 2 Samuel chapter 6. And verse 2, it says, And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Aminadab, Abinadab, that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ahu, his sons, I'm sorry, and Uzzah and Ahu, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahu went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and cymbals. And when they came to Nashon's threshing floor... Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error, and there he died by the ark of God. Now, this is really all we know about Uzzah. Some of you remember the story because we've talked about this in Sunday school but this is the guy that God killed. He transgressed God's holiness. But something that I've not heard too many other, any other place actually and began to think about this is, is thinking about Uzzah was the simple fact, could the ark of God be allowed to fall off the cart? The Ark of God was, the box was made out of wood, but the mercy seat was solid gold. What would happen to those cherubim that were on top of the mercy seat if it had rolled off the, that cart and fell on the ground? I mean, the tables that God wrote with his own finger on Mount Sinai, the second set of tables were in the Ark. It was the only thing that was in the ark. The best we can tell was the inhabitants of 
Kirjath-Jerim there, actually, when the ark came back from the Philistines, they opened the ark, and God smote many of them. Uh, chances are, one of the reasons God smote them was because they ate the manna that was in the ark. It was gone. When they built the ark, it had three items in it. Does anybody remember the three items in the ark? You don't remember, Esther. Her hand was the first one up. The first was the table of law that God had given Moses. And I already told you the second one, the pot of manna. Does anybody remember the last thing? Not Moses' rod, but you're real close. Aaron's rod. The house of Levi, Aaron's rod that had budded was in there. Those two items were gone. All that was left in the ark at this point was the tables of the law of God. I want to challenge you today that there was no way possible any thinking human being could allow that ark to be jostled off of the cart onto the ground. The problem was it should have never been put there in the first place. The ark was meant to be carried by the Levites. They were to bear the weight upon their shoulders. Who had the idea of the ark of God on a cart? Why, the Philistines did. They were the ones that came up with that. They said, we're going to make a new cart and we're going to take two milk cows with baby calves that have just had calves and we're going to tie the calves up and let them scream as their mamas walk away. And if those uh, milk cows just walk into the land of Israel and ignore their calves, we'll know that God did something here. And he's responsible for all the trouble we've had in the land of the Philistines. Do you remember that? If you have a new Bible, it says hemorrhoids. The old Bible says emeralds, uh, which was a symbol, uh, actually part of the symptoms of the Black Plague or bubonic plague. And... Uh, the, uh, there had been destruction of many thousands of the Philistines wherever the ark of God went. They put it on a new cart and they sent it back into the land of Israel and it was there the entire reign of King Saul. It says, we did not seek the ark of the covenant. We didn't seek the Lord during the days of King Saul. Remember, King Saul was only king for two years when he disobeyed God and God said, I'm going to put another king. But he was still king another 38 years. That's a scary thought in and of itself. Now this Uzzah was one of the sons of Abinadab where the ark had been stored. And I'll tell you what, I think Abinadab was excited that Israel was going to seek to war God, don't you? I mean, that would be a natural thing. And they... He, it wasn't that he wanted to get the ark of God out of his house. It was his father's house, Abinadab, and Uzzah was his son. And, of course, if they're going to put the cart, the, ox, um, the ark of God on the cart and it's going to be pulled by oxen, be a pretty prestigious job to be the driver now, wouldn't it? And as one of the sons of Abinadab who had taken care of the ark, well, I mean, that 
prestigious position would naturally fall in that direction. Just be careful about promotion. Amen? Sometimes we get in a lot of trouble when promotion comes our way. I have an opportunity. Now, I'm going to have to move a little bit farther away, and I won't be able to come to church as often as I can, but this is a good position. I've got to take it. Now, be careful. Sometimes promotion isn't always of the Lord. God had no intention for Uzzah to be driving this cart because that was not the way the ark of God was moved. And by the way, Uzzah was what we often call victim of circumstances. Where were the Levites to instruct the children of Israel? In fact, if you'll read the story in 2 Chronicles 15, when they actually did move the ark, David calls the Levites and he calls the priests and he said, because you didn't sanctify yourselves and you weren't available to teach us the right way, Uzzah died. David put the blame squarely on the Levites and the priests who were the ones who were supposed to know these things. And as I say, there was no way any one of us who were sitting on that cart would have let that ark fall off the cart. That's not an option. But you know, the devil loves to put us in a position to where the only way out is to sin. And I want to warn you, God will never let his holiness be transgressed. He was, he was not pleased that the ark was on the cart. I don't think God would have been happy if the ark had fallen off the cart either, do you? But you never, ever get anything accomplished by transgressing God's word. Never, ever does, and that's the story of Uzzah. Keeping the ark from rolling off that cart was a good thing, was it not? But touching the ark, any Israelite knew that was not allowed. But what happens is, it's an emergency. We've got to. I hate to be so political, but boy, I just think of what we're hearing from our government today over and over. It's an emergency. We've got to. Uh, let me tell you, you never got to sin. Never. And never do we ever accomplish anything right by doing something wrong. Never, ever. That's the story of Uzzah. We need to remember Uzzah because there are multitudes of times in our lives where we're going to be tempted to do just a little wrong so something good is going to happen. Boy, that's the essence of almost every temptation you face, is it not? I'm going to tell just a little lie, but it's going to make things better. No, never does. I'm just going to bend the rules. Just I mean, that's what New York City is all about, is bending the rules. 
I mean, there is not a law that there's not an exception to. Does anybody know one? I mean, I, I don't know a law that there's not an exception to hardly. Every, every law has got some, okay, well, you're not, it says no parking any time right in front of the church. And I'm very thankful that Mayor Giuliani, when he was mayor, had a program for church-owned vehicles that we could park in the no parking zone. And, and that permit is worth its weight in platinum or any commodity that you would want because it's $110 a whack if you park there and get a ticket. It's not something you want to try. Um, and I have that permit. I use it on a regular basis. <laughs> but God's not that way. And Uzzah proves to us, let's just do right no matter what. Because it was Uzzah that suffered. because of other people's ignorance and wrongdoing. David was scared of the Lord. He said, how can I bring the ark to Jerusalem? God killed Uzzah on the way up. God wasn't upset at uh, David or Uzzah in particular. But when Uzzah transgressed God's holiness, God said, that's it. I can't, I can't allow that to happen. Not going to. And so we, we find here that this man was one of those warning beacons that God has put in history to teach us. Never, ever do you transgress God's word. You just cannot do it. Can I tell you a little story from Bible college? It's not a very pleasant one, but we had a class... Uh, I believe the class was Hamartiology and Anthropology. Uh, Hamartiology is the study of man and sin. Uh, actually, the study of sin. And anthropology, of course, is the study of man. And as we were going through this class, one of our professors concocted this idea. He said, if the police were coming to arrest your wife for being a Christian, would you rather lie to the police and have have to face God having told a lie or tell the truth and have your wife arrested. Do you see how tricky that is? You see, he knew somebody was going to say, I'd tell the truth because it's never right to tell a lie. He was waiting for that so he could shoot him down and just say, you're not married, you can't, make, you can't answer that question. That's exactly what he said. And somebody said, well, I just wouldn't say anything. He said, that's not an option. You see, what he was trying to do was force people into what we call situational ethics. It's okay to break God's law sometimes. Uzzah teaches us it's never okay to break God's law anytime. We do not determine right and wrong based on the situation. And somebody says, now, Pastor, what would you do if that were you? I would hope I'd have enough grace to obey God first. Because if I don't obey God first, then I can't trust him for his protection. 
Amen? This is the story of Uzzah. This is a lesson that we need to live tomorrow and the next day and the next day. God will always judge sin. Intentions do not determine right. Contrary to what our politicians say today. Now, let's go to the book of Ezra, and we're going to meet Zerubbabel. Now, Zerubbabel, his name means born of Babel, born of Baal, actually, or born in Babylon. Now, how would you like to be a descendant of David, an heir to the throne, and have the name King born in Babylon? His parents were in Babylon because of the captivity. They were uh, evidently very depressed. And so when their son was born, I mean, this is one of those names like Ichabod. The glory has departed. Uh, it's not a positive name. Every time that he is mentioned in the scripture, he, he is a reminder of the fact that he was born out of the captivity because of God's uh, of the disobedience to God by his people. He was born in the city of Babylon. The descendant of David should have been born in Jerusalem or Bethlehem or, or one of those cities in the land of Israel. But that wasn't Zerubbabel's lot. And so Zerubbabel, here we find him in Ezra chapter 2. Verse 1, it says, Now these are the children of the providence that went out of the captivity of those which had been carried away, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away unto Babylon, and came again into Jerusalem and Judah, every one unto his city, which came with Zerubbabel. Now he was the leader of this first returning group back to the land of Israel. They had been in the land of Babylon, in the city of Babylon, in that surrounding area for 70 years. Now, I want you to stop and think about 70 years. That was a long time ago. 70 years ago. The year would have been what? 1939. Think about the differences from 1939... To 2009. I mean, just think about those differences. Our world has changed completely in those years. They had been in the land of Babylon for 70 years. Now they were going back to the city of Jerusalem. And Zerubbabel, every time he heard his name... I was born in Babylon. That's what it meant. But you know, Zerubbabel overcame his name. And he went back to Jerusalem. And they began building the temple of God. And one of the commentators I read said, Zerubbabel was so intertwined in the rebuilding of the temple that it's often called Zerubbabel's temple. In Jewish history, they call it the second temple. The first temple was 
Solomon's temple. The second temple was Zerubbabel's temple. The temple that was there in Jesus' day was called Herod's temple because he had built it, but he literally built this edifice right around over top and into uh, the original building that was put up by Zerubbabel. Uh, the, uh, let's go to Zechariah chapter 4, and then we'll go to Haggai chapter 2. How many people know where Zechariah is in their Bible? So it's got to be in the Old Testament. Nobody in the New Testament had a name like that. Zechariah chapter 4. If you got to Malachi, you went too far. Look at verse 6. It says, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, therefore? I mean, sorry. Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands also shall, fin uh, shall also finish it. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. For who hath despised the day of small things? They shall rejoice. They shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord, which run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Now this here, let's just get the story. Zerubbabel, the children of Israel came back to Jerusalem. They literally had to shovel the burned debris out of the streets so that they could walk through. They had to clear the temple mount where the temple had been destroyed. They uh, began to lay the foundation. Does anybody remember the story of the relaying of the foundation? The old and ancient men that had seen Solomon's temple when they saw the foundation of Zerubbabel's temple, they wept. They, they were just so brokenhearted that this temple was not going to be anything like Solomon's temple was. And the young men that, had come, that were born like Zerubbabel, when they saw it, they rejoiced. And there was a big noise and no one could tell what in the world was going on. It was total confusion, but it wasn't too long after this the enemies of the Lord came and they got a, a uh, stop work order from the king and they had to stop building the temple. And on came Haggai and Zechariah. And said, Zechariah, uh, they said, Zerubbabel, you were born in Babylon, but you're going to finish this temple with your hands. Zerubbabel started building. All the enemies came back around and said, who said you could do this? And they made the inquiry and they enabled the blessing of the king of Persia to rebuild that temple. Let's go to Haggai chapter 2. Let's go down to... Um, Verse 2, 
It says, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shethiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? How do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes comparison? Is not in your eyes comparison of it as nothing? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. Be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when I came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not, for thus saith the Lord, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Now this was the promise to Zerubbabel. It says the glory of the second temple is going to be greater than that of the first. It was not necessarily in the buildings. It was the fact that it was the second temple that the Lord Jesus Christ himself would walk it through its gates and teach. This was the temple that Jesus taught in. Now Herod had built his magnificent edifice over and literally built it just over top and around and totally enclosed the original building that Zerubbabel had built. But it was still Zerubbabel's temple that Jesus visited when he was here on earth. Now, Zerubbabel's name is depressing, born in Babylon. But his work was something only God could accomplish. Uzzah thought he was strong, steadied the ark, and died. Zerubbabel said, I don't have any strength. Only God will be our strength. And he was, and the temple was rebuilt. And all God's people said, Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time tonight. We ask that you would teach us from the lives of these men that we would not allow ourselves to be drawn away and tempted to sin just a little. Lord, help us to remember that you're a God of judgment. Lord, we thank you for the story of Zerubbabel as his name brings all to remembrance all the discouragement and the sorrow of sin, yet his work gives us hope that you will bless and you will accomplish your ends. Help us to remember the story of these lives that we may serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.